Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I like to talk to my friends, hang out with them, and I like to buy makeup and look at makeup news every day. That's my stuff. <laughs> Other than that, I'm always daydreaming about love, about the perfect relationship, the perfect life I could have. And I don't feel like I fit in France like 100% because I'm just half French, half Egyptian, and it seems like the way to find myself is to go abroad. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, 90 Day Fiance Edition. <laughs> I don't know why I'm making it sound so dramatic, and actually, it was a fairly boring episode. <laughs> so let's talk about all of the things that happened. I think we got to start with Jovi and Yara. Even though they had the least amount of camera time, still the most interesting. I still see that there is mess on the horizon with Jovi and Yara. I'm excited for it. I think Yara, uh, you know, says how she feels, stands her ground, and does not want to be ignored or taken for a fool. Jovi is completely in over his head, and he's not even likable on top of that. So I find Jovi and Yara massively interesting. So last week we left off, there was a big to-do about whether or not they're going to go to the bayou to visit Jovi's parents. Yara wasn't feeling comfortable with staying the night there. She's like, let's just see how it goes. So they ask Yara what she thinks, what she knows about the bayou. She's like, honestly, I don't know anything about it except for basically swamp creatures live there. And I'm including Jovi in that. It's alligators. It's, you know, the crawdads and jo- Jovi, all living in that swamp, sharing, sharing eco space with one another. Um, she's still not, like I said, still not trying to spend the night at his mom's house. His dad, his parents are married, but his dad won't be there because he's working somewhere in Alaska. But they're both on the same page about Yara. They're concerned about uh, Jovi being with a foreign girl. They're concerned about her just wanting to, you know, be here for a green card whatever. (laughs) But anyway, they get to the house. Everything's chill. Another reason why I like Jovi and Yara is that I like the mom. And by when I say I like Jovi's mom, I don't mean like I like her. I mean that she's going to make for good television because she was like, I'm going to cook this whatever the hell 
etouffee or whatever she called it, freak, freak, frise or frike or whatever she said. But also, I'm willing to fight at any given moment if Yara says anything to Jovi that I feel is, you know, untoward. I'm just going to throw hands on her. Like, I have no problem. I'm a very nice white lady, but don't get it twisted. I, you can catch me in these streets. You can catch me in these streets. So they're talking, Yara, Jovi, his mom, they're all making small talk. Things are going fine. Like, this is kind of like a little bit of a big up, build up for nothing. They end up spending the night. Jovi, Jovi's mom and Yara end up getting along with one another. She says the food's good. They're fine. They end up saying, you know, being, Yara ends up being comfortable enough to stay. So Jovi gets a call from work. They're having a conversation and, you know, leaving Yara and Jovi's mom to have a conversation. And she's like, so I heard that you weren't uh, very comfortable spending the night. And she's like, oh, you know, I just, I didn't know. Like, I don't know you. (laughs) Basically, like I, I just like if Jovi, if that's what Jovi really wants, like I'm totally fine with it. Everything ends up okay and they're fine. So another issue that they have. So remember y'all, Jovi works on and off six months out of the year, one month on, one month, on, one month off. The issue with their relationship is obviously they have 90 days to get married but the plan was that Jovi had to start working two weeks into Yara's arrival. So he comes back and come to find out he might have to leave up to eight days earlier than he was planning on leaving. Leaving them basically a week before he has to go to work. And he's like, well, you know, like I told you this could be a possibility. They could call me at any time. And she's like, this really sucks. Like, I wish you would kind of planned something to where we would have had enough time together for me to feel comfortable before you left, which is fair. I don't know how much wiggle room he has in his job, but that seems like a very fair request to have. Um, so they also disagree on the wedding. So the deal with them is that we don't know why, but Yara's parents can't come from the Ukraine to America for her wedding. Jovi's mom wants to have a really big wedding in Louisiana, invite the whole family. The grandparents can be there, yada, yada, yada. Yara not only doesn't want a big wedding, but also thinks it's a little bit unfair that her family can't be there while his family can. So she said, and they kind of compromised that they were just get married in Vegas by themselves. Jovi's mom is still pushing for them to have the wedding or some sort of ceremony, some sort of party, something in, uh, Louisiana or, you know, where he lives. And she's like, yeah, like, I totally understand it, but what would I look like being like, Hey, my family, look at all the fun we're having on this, you know, event that you can't come to. Like, I just don't feel comfortable with it. I don't want a big wedding to begin with. So it's, I'm sorry. Sorry, grandma, grandpa. Don't know what to tell you. Um, so she also, Yara's like, you know what, I like his mom, but I also feel like she pushes buttons or she steers a conversation in a way, or she tries to have conversations where she already knows the answer and she already knows that I'm going to say no, but she brings the subject up anyway. And I don't really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so yeah, she's, she's like, I like you. But I see that this could go down the wrong path. And I'm just, you know, keeping my third eye open here. Jovi's mom, on the other hand, is like, we see, you know, you said you see me, but we see each other. And I will be spending as much time getting to know Yara as I want, whether Yara likes it or not. Let me get back to my room. (laughs) So when they get to the room, the bedroom they're spending at night at Yara's like I just have to tell you something and I have to tell you two things really one is that I really didn't like your mom's food like I know I said that I did and I said that it was good at the dinner table but it's bland and it really didn't have any flavor didn't like it now 
I saw the Tony Saturies on the table. I saw the hot sauce on the table. Jovi did bring a good point up that they grew up with very different, you know, foods, being introduced to different foods. So he's like, I understand that this might not be her taste, but I can't imagine how embarrassing it must be to be from Louisiana, especially. Like, I feel like white people from Louisiana who cook get the past that, you know, your average white American doesn't get because usually there was like a an introduction to spices and there's a lot of spice in, in Cajun cuisine and in New Orleans style cuisine. And so I feel like they usually get a pass from like the, the rest of the, you know, sprinkle a little bit of salt on my chicken white people. So to, for her to say that her food didn't have flavor, that's, them's fighting words, Yara. And so her second complaint <laughs> Liara was at your hometown. Jovi asked about his hometown. And she's like, it's like everybody died. And he's like, yeah, like a ghost town. She's like, no, like, it just seems like everybody just died and they left. <laughs> like, like, it's not like empty, but it's just like death. I just, I feel death. It smells like hospital in here. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, Jovi's like, listen. Is she saying what the things that I want to hear right now? No, but at least she's saying them to me and only me behind closed doors. Thank God my mom can't hear this. So then, you know, he's also like, on the other hand, I went to her hometown and I said that I liked it, even though I didn't. It was just as much of a shithole as this place. So I don't know where she gets off saying that, saying that Ukraine is so much better when it really isn't. And I've been there. So then Yara's like, listen, I told you I didn't want a big wedding. I t- you know that when I say no to things, I really mean no. So I don't really appreciate having to have these repeated conversations with your mom about things that I've already said no to. So what are we going to do about that? And just so you know, (laughs) I do want, I don't want the big wedding, but even if I did, I wouldn't be getting married here because I don't want to be married by a trailer park. (laughs) So there we go. There we go. And see, this is how, do you guys see the, do you fuck with the vision that I, I have set forth with Jovi and Yara? Because I think, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be real, real good. So let's go on to, let's just get Mike and Natalie over with. I, I listened to what, maybe two other 90 Day Fiance podcasts. And I'm not going to say who they are because I love them very dearly and I appreciate their opinions and all of that. However, Jody and Rachel, (laughs) you guys are standing for Mike in a way that makes me uncomfortable. And do you guys, he's weird, y'all. He's weird. And I think he's just as much of a culprit as Natalie is. She's just outwardly wild. He just plays his cards a little closer to that zip-up vest that he got from Costco. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So they're checking out of the hotel. Natalie is, like, living her best life. Like, I never want to leave this loft. It actually looked... I heard that hotel is really expensive. I've never been to Seattle, but I know that that famous, like, you know, the market that you guys have. And you can see out the window, they had, like, a, a, a... Mind is blank. I'm a free, empty mind right now. <laughs> they have a balcony. They have a balcony in their uh, hotel room. And you can see that it has that, like, like public market sign is, like, a stone's throw away. That was, you know, like, I've never really felt, like, a huge need to go to Seattle. But I've heard great things. But that, I was like, I could stay there. I could stay there. It looks really nice. So we could just throw me a fe- fresh fish and a, wrapped in a... a piece of newspaper is that what they do that sounds like fun anyway um (laughs) natalie brings up a very funny thing she's like you know what 
Our relationship, our romantic relationship may have its ups and downs, but our sexual relationship has only ups. We did it and it was great. Um, she's also a little bit upset. She's like, you know, I, I kind of thought that Mike would uh, bring the engagement ring, but I didn't want to say anything about it. And, you know, I just feel like Natalie, I think, and really to anybody, if you take your engagement ring or your wedding ring or any piece of symbolic jewelry, I don't know if like in other circles in the world, they give like, I don't know, like a cock ring for an engagement. I don't know. Who, who's to say? Something for your clit? I don't know. Mazel. Mazel to everybody. But the point is, if somebody gives you a piece of jewelry that is meant to be a symbol of your commitment or your future commitment to one another, and you take that piece of jewelry off and you throw it into your partner's luggage, at that point, again, what have I told you guys? Sometimes we just have to take the L and accept things when they come as they come. If you throw your engagement ring into your fiance or ex-fiance's luggage, then, you know, it's, then it's kind of on mic. You know, you're so, you're sort of, uh, Natalie, you're sort of just, you got to wait. You got to wait to see if it's going to come back to you. Like, like the saying goes, if if you let your engagement ring go. And it doesn't come back. It wasn't meant to be. But if it ends up back on your finger, then maybe it was fate. So then they go and meet up with Bo before they go back to swim. They meet up and have some lunch. Bo is like straight off the runway. And I'm not even joking. Like fashion, fashion, fashion. Because if you think that I can't go to Soho at any given time, at any point in the year and see a guy, you know, in a Carhartt jacket with a leather, black leather vest on top and a beanie and those like Guy Fieri, welcome to Flavortown, blue lens sunglasses, like, and an American flag, like a a vintage American flag tee, you know? (laughs) The outfit for, (laughs) this was like the look for less version of what you get outside of the tents. So Natalie's like, wow, drinking Bo in his lack of teeth, his adventurous hairstyle mullet. Um, he basically looks like Diplo. <laughs> like if Diplo's life had gone in a very different direction. Um, Natalie's like, he is the most stylish person I've ever seen in my whole entire life. I love him so much. He has a bright spirit and he seems very happy, but also I never want to live with him again, ever, not again, ever at any point. And also I think he has a drinking problem and I have a problem with that. (laughs) She has so much, she has so much. Natalie is is, uh, just a lot of woman. She's a lot of woman. She has... Bo, like, how many drinks do you think you could drink uh, during this meal? And he's like, as many as they gave me. Don't threaten me with a good time. (laughs) So Natalie makes things awkward, right? Like, that is Natalie's true issue, is that, like, Natalie doesn't read a room. She wears her heart on her sleeve, and she just lives her life out loud, right? So... Um, she's like, Bo, um, did you move out? And he was like, yeah, you know, like I live up the road, you know, I'm fine. I'm chill. And she's like, oh, phew. I mean, good. I mean, good. Like, no, I just mean like, we need our privacy, you know, (laughs) to act outwardly relieved that somebody no longer lives in your house. And then you follow that by saying good (laughs) again read the room natalie you know we don't have to be so honest we don't have to keep it 100 all the time (laughs) just keep it a little polite natalie keep it a little polite 
<clears throat> so the waiter comes with their food and she's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the portion size are so big. Like we would never get anything like this in Ukraine. And so the waiter's like making a little bit of small talk with her. It's like, oh, you know, why are you here in America? She's like, oh, you know, <clears throat> this is my fiance pointing to Mike. She's like, but you know, um, yeah, you know it's kind of weird. Like I don't have my ring. So, you know, it's a little bit hard to explain. So I don't have my engagement ring, even though he is my fiance and we're planning on getting married and I don't know when. That's going to happen because I don't have my ring. It's not awkward at all. I just, you know, it's just, it's just a thing. Just a thing. So then she says in a talking head, like, you know, it's actually really awkward for me to <clears throat> explain the situation of like, I'm moving to be with this guy and get married with him. But then people look and I don't have a ring on my finger. And it's like, yeah, well, that is, I could see that. But again, you're the one who threw it. You're the one who threw it into his luggage. So, you know, that's the consequence is that you're going to have to have a bunch of awkward conversations talking about how excited you are to be married when you actually don't know when you're going to get married and you don't have a ring. So you should have thought about that. <laughs> you really should have thought about that before you tossed it like a carnival game. So... Then Bo, we're back at the table. Bo's like, I just want you guys to know that you have my blessing. And I don't recall anybody asking Bo, but he, you know, he they got it. It was nice. So now it's time to head back to Squim. So Natalie and Mike are in the car. And, you know, the bright lights of the Seattle marketplace are long behind them. Natalie, you know, the, the roads are getting more and more narrow, windy snowy Natalie's like this is like the beginning of a horror movie like I don't like this it's so dark there are no street lights or anything like that like what am I doing oh this is compounded by the fact that when they actually get to the property she looks around like like where do I go why am I in the set of saw 17 What's happening? How do I get out of here? So, <laughs> y'all, there was a part where she's just like taking a tour of the house. He shows her the closet and was like, oh, we'll get this organized tomorrow. This will be your section. This will be my section. You put, you know, here, there, everywhere. And she's looking like <laughs> that smile that you do when you're like, fuck my whole life I've made a huge mistake I don't want to be rude but I hate every moment of this I really do she has to walk away because she's almost like laughing to keep from crying she is that upset she wants she gets sits down she's like I, I need to sit down for a minute just thank you do you have any tea can I get some tea Mike's like, I don't know if I have tea, but I'll look for it. And the cat's jumping on her. She's like, I, you know, I, I like dog. I don't like cat. And so she, I don't know what that accent was. She's like, I flew 10,000 miles. And I left my mom to be in this house that is cold. It's small. It's not clean. And there's no tea. The cat's everywhere. But most importantly, I haven't gotten my engagement ring back. <laughs> and then she starts to cry. Natalie. <laughs> Natalie, Natalie, Natalie. Oh, Lord. Let's move on to... Tariq and Hazel. So, Tariq goes shopping with another best friend of his, Angela. He says that they've known each other for like 10 years. It's the day of Hazel's... Uh, arrival in America. She's about to land in like a few hours. Hazel's favorite color is powder blue. So Tariq wants to get a tip to tail powder blue suit for her arrival. Doesn't that evoke memories of Dumb and Dumber for everybody on this planet? Absolutely. Including Angela, who was like, wow, that sounds really corny. And 70s. <laughs> uh, 
I agree with you, Angela. So Angela's like, what is going on with Dean? Is he going to come to your wedding with Hazel? And finally we get a little bit of an answer as to what is happening with Tariq and Dean. So if y'all know, Tariq, Dean, Dean is Tariq's brother. He was heavily involved in the first season that Tariq and Hazel were on, even so much as going to the Philippines because he said he didn't trust Hazel and her intentions. He just was looking out for his brother and wanted to make sure everything was okay with their relationship. He went there and he made Hazel so uncomfortable and basically called her a shitty mother because he asked, Dean asked like, oh, do you have kids? She's like, yeah, I have a son. He lives with his father. And Dean's immediate reaction was that to that was like, wow, it's kind of unheard of for you, for a mother to just like give up her kid and not fight to have her kid with her. Like, that makes me wonder what your deal is to the point where Hazel had to leave. So <clears throat> Dean's making this whole fuss about Tariq being with an Asian woman and what are these, this woman's intentions and I don't trust her only to, according to Tariq, start talking to some chick in, I believe, Thailand over WhatsApp, moving there and just like completely leaving his whole life to be with this chick. He's like, basically, you made me go through hell over Hazel for you to basically essentially do the exact same thing by dating this other Asian woman. Like, it's not adding up to me. Tariq is done with Dean, like, doesn't want to speak to him again. Definitely Dean is not coming to the wedding. There's no way that we're going to figure this out. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, damn. <laughs> damn. Like Tariq said last week, he's really concerned about his daughter, Ari. She has high functioning autism. And he's like, you know, I just really worry about my rela- their relationship, Ari and Hazel, because I have to constantly think and reframe my mind in, in a way that I don't get frustrated that Ari doesn't communicate the same way as other people. And I just like, I'm really very concerned that like, suggesting that maybe Hazel might lose her patience or she might get frustrated with Ari because whatever communication issues. Right. So he's really concerned about that. So he gets hideous, hideous little blue suit. Ugh. Clearly he got like the, like, let me just stick my hand in a bin, get the cheapest, bow tie that even somewhat matches this suit the color (laughs) he got the um i'm getting my favorite aunt who's i used to spend like weekends and summers at like i'm this is a bouquet that you would get your favorite aunt for mother's day it was very blue it was very blue it was not something that i've ever seen uh, re- given to somebody that you love and have sex with, like somebody you love, sure, you know, great aunt Sally, 
was isn't she fun? I love her brownies. Remember that summer that we spent with her back in the 90s? Not not something that you give somebody that you want to have sex with. We'll put it that way. Um, so he's so nervous waiting for her at the end of the escalator at the airport. He still has not said anything about Minty and how he reached out to Minty despite the fact that Hazel told him don't talk to her ever again. She is not our girlfriend. So she is not your girlfriend. Don't ever talk to her again. So he's like, you know, I'm not going to ruin it by telling her tonight. I'm going to tell her in the future, but you know, it's something that I'm really nervous about, but (sighs) so then she gets there. She comes down off the escalator, notices immediately. Oh, this is my favorite color. You're wearing a suit. It's my favorite color. So one point for you, Tariq. He starts crying and she's like, are you okay? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, are you okay? And also like, we saw that suit outlet that you went to. Maybe you don't want to cry around the fibers. I don't know if this is like a disintegration concern. I don't know. It just like the fibers were looking weak. We'll just put it that way. And I was just concerned about any moisture, salt, you know, any sort of anything really in that suit could be on the floor. So I've never seen Hazel this happy. All the season that we saw them was she was like, mm, I don't know about this dude. But she seemed, you know, very happy for her. I saw her crack maybe three, three smiles during the time. And she even was like, kiss me now. Camera people, shout out to y'all. Because when she said that, he obviously went for it because he is very attracted to her. But she was like, "Mm, kiss me. And then kissed him. You know, again, like if you're giving the bouquet of flowers to your great aunt Sally, um, Uncle Don over there, is the one he's like, you know, grabbing your girlfriend telling you, oh, what a beauty you got. How did you get so lucky? And you're like kissing her a little too close to her mouth. It was giving like creepy uncle, like I don't want to kiss him, but I don't want to be disrespectful. Hazel is not attracted to Tariq. And I'm just going to say that I do not believe. I do not believe it. I don't believe, I don't get it. I I don't see it. I don't, and there's nothing wrong with Tariq. I just think, you know, even if Hazel wasn't attracted to women, like let's take the women out of it. I still don't think, <laughs> you know, if Hazel was just your cisgendered straight woman, I still don't think she'd be into Tariq. I still don't think she's into Tariq. I think... I think, unfortunately... Well, I'm not even going to say this. I'm not going to say this like it's a bad thing. I think she's looking for a better life in America. And that's not a wrong feeling to feel. She wants a better life for her son. She wants a better life for herself. She wants more for herself. And everybody should be able to... Seek that out if that's what they really feel is necessary. So no shade. No shade. I know there are a lot of people who are like, oh, you didn't come to America and, you, you know, green cards, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, that's probably the truth for Hazel, honestly. But, like, I'm not even going to take that as a bad thing. Like, if she wants a better life, she can get a better life. And, you know, the only thing that I can say is that Tariq very much seems to have feelings for her. And so I wish she would maybe be a little bit more honest about that. But that's also, I understand why she can't be. Because the likelihood of him helping her at all (laughs) goes to zero once he finds out that it doesn't benefit him. So, yeah. I don't don't know, y'all. I don't know, y'all. So then they get to the house and Tariq is like... (sighs) He wasn't wrong, I guess, because he ended up being correct. But I also just felt like... I didn't need him to say what he said. So he, they get to the house and he's like, oh, you know, my house is, you know, an average size for 
uh, America. And I think he lives in a townhouse, like a, you know, like a two-story townhouse. He's like, you know, my house is average for America, but compared to where she was living, her whole house could probably fit in my garage. So I'm a little bit worried that she's going to be overwhelmed with the fact that she now lives here. I thought it was very sweet. She kept saying like, oh, I can't wait to see your house on the way there. And he's like, no, it's our house. You can say it's our house. It's your house. Like, you know, this is ours. This is our life together. And, you know, she is looking around and is like, yeah, this is a really big house. And I've never experienced that. I've never seen a dishwasher. I don't think I'm going to use that dishwasher because it seems like I would do a much better job. Like she didn't even understand how a dishwasher worked. And she gets there and another thing, she was like, um, he's thinking that he's going to have some like (laughs) Annie daddy Warbucks moment where she like cries into his shoulder and like thanks him for saving her. And like, I can't believe this palace of a townhouse that you brought me to. And she's like, yeah, it's really big and it is going to take me some getting used to. But also, like, did you wait for me to clean? Because this house is messy. (laughs) And he's like, no, it's not. And it's like, well, there's a lot of clutter. Like, there were just, like, cans and cans of disinfectant on the counter. Why can't we put it under the sink, Tariq? Why do you have just, like, a random shirt Slung over a a bar stool, Tariq. I'll give you credit. You have a kid. Maybe some of this stuff is like, you know, toys or moving boxes that she had painted and was playing with. I get that. But it's also, it was, it was cluttered. It was cluttered. There was a a cup, a mug that had uh, aluminum foil over the lip and a spoon on top of the aluminum foil and it looked like oatmeal covered in butter was just all over that spoon so I don't really know you know things needed to be clean and it wasn't unfair for her to say did you wait for me so I could clean I don't think that's unfair at all. Um, Let's move on to Andrew. No, let's move on to Brandon and Julia. Brandon and Julia, what I think is our most cursed couple of the season. Hmm. So Brandon is so excited to have Julia here. They're in D.C. saying one more night before they head back to Dimwitty, Virginia. But he's like, you know what? I'm really upset that my parents blew up my spot the day before. Brandon, had you told Julia before she got here that you were going to be sleeping in separate bedrooms and you wouldn't have to be upset with them? Was it their business to tell? Uh, kind of. I mean, it is their house. Brandon, what's going on with Brandon? Because this is not like a classic case of a mom who's gone too far because I think Betty does go too far and I think she is a little too close to Brandon but it also feels like their relationship isn't super close and I think it's mostly like this isn't like an I love my mom so much I can't go away from her it's like I don't have any balls basically (laughs) like I can't say how I feel or I say how I feel after the fact she's railroaded him but it's not in like a like a mommy like like a smothered I don't watch that show but I get the gist it's not like a smothered situation where this is like her precious baby boy if there's something like a little bit sinister they kind of troll Brandon like they don't trust him to make good decisions but also he doesn't make good decisions so there's that and I can't quite like wrap my mind around what their exact dynamic is because it's not just like Betty's creepy 
Betty probably wants to have sex with Brandon and Julia. And like, those are things that she needs to work out. Ron, I need to hear more from Ron and feel like suss out what his, what's going on with him. But it seems like Betty runs a tight ship. Ron is not too far behind, but he says a lot less because Betty says so much. And then Brandon is just Brandon. He's just Brandon and he's always going to find himself in a messed up situation because he doesn't know how to speak up for himself, basically. So Betty has yet another plan to cockblock Brandon, Brandon and go sightseeing. You know, in order to what I'm assuming is like increase the sexual tension by continuing to, you know, just not let this man just let this man. You know, he listen, Betty, I just think that if you're listening, you need some strong words to be able to understand what's happening here. Let your son, let Brandon nut 2020, (laughs) let Brandon Fill his seat out wherever he can. Pull out method. Pull out gang strong. Just let him do it. Because the man is, he's 27 years old. And I understand you don't want to have a kid right now. You don't want to have a grandkid. And Brandon can't afford to have a child. But at some point, where do we have the conversation of like, he has sex. He's going to have sex. And Julia brings up a good point. A a very, like, teen mom situation of, like, she can put us in separate rooms, but that's not going to stop us from having sex. We're just going to have to find another place to do it. I like Julia. I think she's smart. And I think Julia is going to be Betty's worst nightmare. And I think she already is. I think that at first Betty was, you know, a little bit sexually attracted to that. I think she might still be. I just think at some point it's going to be get to be too much for Betty and you know only one queen gets a crown and I'm excited to see this matchup so Julia is like annoyed just like we have this whole day planned when this is really our only our last time to share a bed before we have to go to fucking dimwitty Like, I was planning on having some sort of adult time with my fiancé. Not just him sticking it in me, but just, like, going on a date. Doing couple things. Like, who wants to go to the fucking Lincoln Memorial, Washington Memorial? You know, who wants to do all that stuff on the day one of you being in America for the first time? And, you know, there's no dick for you at the end of the tunnel. Like, it would be one thing if, like, they were just going to be living their life normally and sharing a room. Okay, yeah, let's go sightseeing. But it's like, now, you've made this all these stipulations, rules and regulations, and now, what am I to do? What am I to do? Now she's frustrated. So, Brandon, Julie, I guess, talked to Brandon about it. So now Brandon has to talk to Betty about them staying in different rooms and uh, whatever Betty's up bright and early tapping her watch tapping her feet down on that linoleum floor probably livid that they're about to miss out on their free continental breakfast because you know that was the main you know (laughs) driving point for her to stay at that hotel clearly the cuisine is off the off the fucking charts she couldn't wait for that damn frozen french fry the night before God help us. Um, This is, like I said, this is Julia's first time in America. And like Yara, she's amazed at all the things that she's seen. And by that, I mean fat people. She's just so shocked that in America there are so many fat people. She's like, why are they running? (laughs) And Brandon's like, well, maybe they don't want to be, maybe they're just trying to exercise. Maybe they're just trying to be healthy. She's like, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. (laughs) So... Um, they go to the Lincoln Memorial. Julia is hype, y'all. She is so hype because she brought her best friend with her 
and her best friend is a selfie stick. I have not seen every now and again. Selfie sticks like really came and went, right? Like as somebody who lives in New York, like when the selfie stick boom really happened, I mean, help us all. Help us all navigating through some like whoever the hell trying to get a picture on their cell phone and they're always elderly and they don't know how it works and you're walking through Times Square through 15 people who don't know how to work like oh once the camera goes over to that stick like how am I supposed to push it I to see so many so much stress so much stress from the selfie stick that was like a real season of terror in New York but anyway Julia is so she's still selfie game strong loving it loving her life so she's taken so many pictures so many pictures to the point where Betty and Ron are like they think it's an absolute fucking hoot and a riot that Julia has a quote third arm that she takes everywhere with her they're like oh, she's got a third arm it's a selfie stick you know that's that's the joke so then we see Brandon go into like a full Instagram book uh boyfriend mode right he's taking the pictures he's doing the angles making sure she's got her angles right and she's posing in the right direction and Betty and Ron are just standing there like well I guess we'll just wait for democracy later so then they point out the White House and she's like oh my god the White House and they're like do you know what happens in there she's like no (laughs) so they're like oh you know that's where the president lives and she's like oh you like you could tell she was immediately disinterested, but then she says, you know, it wasn't like a Trump thing. She's like, I don't know anything about politics. I could not care less. I don't know about Trump. I don't want to talk about him. I have zero opinion about him or politics as a whole. So you're knocking at the wrong door. <laughs> so then they're like, okay, um, Julia and Ron go to get burgers. Which leaves Brandon and Betty time to have this talk about the bedrooms. So Betty says, you know, I just think that, like, I'm going to be uncomfortable even if, even after you guys get married with you sharing a room. So, you know, maybe she'll see the room and she'll love it so much she won't even care that you're not staying with her. And, you know, I... I understand you guys are going to do what you want to do, but like when it's bedtime and we're all sleeping, I just want you to... You know, I, I, I just want you to, guys to behave. <laughs> okay. So then Betty gets annoyed that Brandon said anything to her. And rather than Brandon, rather than putting any sort of responsibility on Brandon, because why would she? Honestly, because she's probably had this conversation. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Okay, so now, of course, Betty's not upset with Brandon, right? Because... Betty's been having these conversations with Brandon the whole time and he's not said a damn thing. He's probably said things that were in support of it. Like, yeah, mom, I think that's a great idea. That'll, you know, keep me whatever the fuck. He's probably been agreeing with her this whole time. And then as soon as Julia gets here, it's like the flip scripts switches. So now Betty thinks that Julia is the bad one. And she's like, you know, the fact that Julia doesn't want to sleep alone is kind of a red flag for me. It's like, why? <laughs> why does it need to be a red flag for you? She's a grown-ass woman. She's a sexual being. She's just moved to a country for somebody, and she prob- you know she wants to share a bedroom with that person. Why is that a red flag? They're engaged, Betty. Whether you like it or not. So... Then, see, this is what Brandon does and he fucks up. Cause, and I'm sure if Julia had seen him do this, she would have been mad too. So Brandon, after Betty says, like, you know, like, I don't think it's a good idea. Maybe she'll like it if she, gets, she looks at her own room. Brandon's like, well, what should I do? Because, you know, she told, Julia said that if we can't live, if we can't share a bedroom, then we need to move out. So why are you asking her, why are you asking your mom for advice? Because you're making it seem like now Julia just is just like a terror and she 
you know, it's just like some sex goblin <laughs> whore. And now you're like, oh, mommy, what do I do? Because, you know, she, she's trying to take me away from you, mommy, and I don't know what to do. And what does she say if, she, if, if I want to move? Like, if she wants to move, then what do I do? Because I can't do it because I'm too poor. What, is, what do I do, mommy? Hmm. <sighs> Lord. So, like, literally the last thing she done. So then everybody gets together. They're eating their burgers on the... Uh, benches and Betty's like okay guys now that we're all you know satiated uh it's time to go to the next memorial and then we're going to go to the other memorial and then we're going to go to the next memorial after that and then we have four memorials after that and I hope we get in do it we have time because we have another reservation probably that fucking hotel restaurant again you guys want some chicken fingers so fortunately Brandon actually puts his size six foot down and it's like, sorry, mom, like Julie and I are actually going to do our own thing. We're going to go to dinner on our own. And I think we're going to go back to the hotel now, actually. And somebody sitting next to Ron, she's like, okay, well, guess it's just me and you. And Ron's like, hey, that's okay. <laughs> Betty is fucking pissed. fucking livid so then julia and brandon go to dinner and julia's like okay so what happened between the talk that you were supposed to have with your mom right and so brandon finally takes the time to be like well you know i have spent a lot of money basically say like i don't have that much money i don't have the finances like i want us to when we do move out and we get after we get married and we do move out, I want us to be set up for the future. At this point, I'm not at the point where I would we are really that financially comfortable. And so she's like I just think it's strange. <laughs> like, I think it's strange that he had not set himself up for the future like this. And also she's getting, you know, a little bit of the hairs going up at the back of her neck situation because she's like here's the real situation is that I have been in this deal before I have lived with my boyfriend my last boyfriend I moved in with him and he lived with his parents and it turned into this whole thing where like I was meant to be the bad girl and that the boyfriend was the good boy and the mom came between us and you know it really I was you know, expressing how I felt or she said I was yelling. She said I was yelling at my ex-boyfriend and, you know, it got a fight between everybody and like nobody stood up for me. And it's like, well, I would like to see more of that because I think Julia is probably somebody who has a long fuse. Like she's kind of like Yara, like I, she will tell you how she feels and she will, um, you know, express her emotions. But I think it get, takes her longer to pop off and I can't wait for her to pop off. I cannot wait. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, y'all, let's end it on our new couple, Andrew and Amira. Andrew, we meet him and he is, he is getting in the full Renaissance fair garb into the living room to 
uh, read a book to a bunch of children. So we find out that Andrew is a 32-year-old man who runs a daycare center with his mom inside his mother's home. Andrew is gonna be an interesting one. I have a feeling about that. Initially, on appearance, he's giving us Gentle Giant. He's giving us someone who wrote My Chemical Romance lyrics on his homework. He's giving renaissance fair there's something there's got to be something wrong with him like he's not really giving us nerd like he's really like yeah he does he's got the vibes of somebody who works with kids like he seems like he would work like in harlem and like teach black kids and like kind of know who the baby is but not really you know what i mean like ponytail low ponytail that sort of vibe he says he works a lot 13 12 13 hour days so he doesn't really have much of a social life and so he tried the apps wasn't really finding people where he lived so he went on an international dating app and that's where he found Amira. Um, I'm, is Amira 28 or 25? Does it matter when she looks 10 years older than either of those ages? I don't think so. She's 28 or 25. I think she might be 28. Amira is interesting. She's half Egyptian, half French, lives in France. I don't know if she's born there. Something about her accent feels like my French accent and that isn't right because regardless of whether she was born there or whether she was raised there I have never been to France and I feel like I shouldn't sound as French as Amira or Amira shouldn't sound as French as I do (laughs) because the accent's not great did anybody else pick up on that like it just feels maybe I just haven't heard enough French people But her accent sounds like an American person doing a French person. (laughs) So anyway, um, Amira is iconic. She says her main interests are, I like to buy makeup and look at makeup news every day. Other than that, I'm always daydreaming about love and the perfect relationship. (laughs) I hope Amira's a Pisces. Like, I just want to plan my makeup and think about the relationships that I could be in, but I'm not. She says she doesn't feel like she fits into France because she's half Egyptian. So she was always looking for somewhere else. And I feel like that's something that I never thought about. Like, I don't think about a French person thinking like there's more to life than my life in France and I should go to America. You know, (laughs) like, I don't think I've ever heard that before, but bless her. Bless her for that. We see a video of... Andrew saying, I love you to Amira in what I'd call like balloon talk. You know what I, you know, it's like when you suck up all that, was it helium? Helium, I think. And your voice changes and he's like, I love you. I love you. No, that is a man who can't fuck. A 32 year old man sucking on some helium and telling, saying, I love you, baby, over and over in a video, like, ugh, blocked, blocked. Um, They met in Vegas. Andrew was telling the story and he was like, my eyes were beaming like a cartoon cat. (laughs) Andrew proposed to her after three days. So this is like Colty. This is like Paul. Y'all see what I mean? Like the, the 72 hour proposal is how you know, like, things are not going well. And that seems like a very obvious clue, but it's a many-layered thing. So they have been waiting on the K-1 visa to get approved for about a year. And then they got it the day after they got approved, Trump issued a travel ban because of COVID. (laughs) So her visa is valid for, she has five months to make some moves to America, right? But she can't go there. Like, she can take flights from... She can take a flight from France to America, but basically they're going to be like, turn your ass around 
au revoir, bitch. So they have come up with a plan. They've trolled the internet and found a solution through other K-1 visa applicants that they think is going to work, which is they will meet. Amira will go to Mexico. They will meet in Mexico, quarantine there for 14 days, and then go to America. Andrew seems to think this is a foolproof plan. He's talked to people on the internet about it. They had no problem. But Amira's like a lot more hesitant. She's like, yeah, well, you know, it probably could heavily depend on who you're talking to. You know, what attendant is working? Maybe they're in a good mood. Maybe they're in a bad mood and they just want to send you back. Like there are a lot of factors at play and I just feel nervous about it. Andrew talks to his mom and he's like, you know, I wasn't really trying to travel during all of this myself, but I would move stars and the earth and the heavens for Amira. So I'm, we're just going to make it happen. <sighs> okay. So what happens after that? Okay. Sorry. So Amira starts packing. Andrew FaceTimes her and he's wearing, <laughs> do y'all remember those like, I distinctly remember this like 98, maybe like 96 to 98 people wear those like Dr. Seuss cat in the hat felt hats. I had one. It was purple and white striped. His is more of like a Jamaican vibe, red, black, and yellow and green. And he is just wearing this hat. And again, that's how you know, like, how does he, how do you even still find those hats? Amazon, I guess, eBay. How would he still have a hat like that? Like that is a hat that you buy for way too much at Six Flags. And then you wear it all day and then you have literally no use for it after that. I don't know where you can take it. Maybe you can wear it on like wacky hat day in fifth grade, which I actually think I did. But anyway, so they're both nervous about being denied, getting the virus. And then Andrew later meets up with his sister. She's pregnant. She's about to have a baby. She's about to have a baby shower, but it falls during the time where Andrew's going to be in Mexico. So he meets up with her. I think her name is Connie meets up with Connie and is like, you know, I'm going to drop off this gift. I'm so sorry that I can't be at the baby shower. Here's a gift for me and Amira. (laughs) A beret. A fully adult-sized beret. Not for an infant. Now that I'm thinking about it, an an adult-sized beret on a baby actually sounds really fucking funny and cute. And I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm actually here for it. So I'm not even going to make the jokes. That actually sounds really cute. So Connie has met Amira a couple times, apparently. She's come to America, I assume. That's how they've met. And she is really wary of Amira. She says, you know, the two times that I've met her, every time I find less of a reason to believe that they have anything in common. And also, I think that Amira is pretty superficial. I They... They don't seem like a good match for each other. (laughs) And I think this is going to go to hell pretty quickly. Um, Andrew says that his biggest concern with this whole thing is that Andrew really wants kids. When they first started talking, he and Amira, she really wanted kids. But then she kind of flipped the script on him. And Connie said, thank you, Connie. Thank you, Connie, for confirming everything that I've made wild yelling, screaming rants about for no reason, which is do not enter into a serious relationship with somebody. If you guys are not on the same page as about having kids. Thank you. Thank you so much, Connie. So Andrew's just like, well, I'll talk to her about it. Maybe we'll find some common ground on that. Like, okay, good luck. Good luck, Andrew. (laughs) So things get a little dark. We get back to France. Amira meets up with her father for like a goodbye drink of, I don't know what that was. It was orange. I don't know if it was carrot, orangina. I don't know. So Amira's dad does not like Andrew, doesn't trust Andrew, doesn't think he's a good guy, really would prefer that Amira break up with him. 
And we, he gives some pretty solid evidence as to why that should be the case. So first Samira says that Andrew's basically been pressuring her to come to Mexico. She's like, I don't really want to travel. I'm really scared of COVID. I'm really scared of having to turn back around. What if all of these things happen? What if I get COVID? And then what if at the end of it, they say, you can't even come to America. You have to go back to France. And then we find out he told Andrew told Amira that if she did not go to Mexico, that he would resent her forever. And her dad says, yeah, that's not love. He's pushing you. And also you cry a lot because of his actions and the things that he says to you. Amira then says that she feels like she has to do things that Andrew wants because he sends her money. He sends her money. She feels beholden. She's like a kept woman. Using, <laughs> imagine using your your coin that you got from educating children and putting on a a, a Renaissance fair outfit and reading them books. Well, they're in little princess and dragon costumes and you have the nerve to use that daycare money <laughs> to manipulate a fully grown adult woman in France into doing things that you want her to do. Y'all, that's fucking dark. <laughs> but it gets darker because Amira, I guess who's been spending all of her free time, you know, uh, taking breaks from reading the latest updates and in, in makeup today, spending all of her time fantasizing about a perfect relationship is like, actually I'm fully all in on this all in by Teddy. I, if Andrew wants me to prove my love, then I'm going to do it because I believe in us as a couple so much girl. If any of my friends said, they had to sit there and prove their love to a man I would dump you in a river and baptize you and say girl find help find Jesus find anyone you can Joel Osteen Pastor Jamal Bryant (laughs) if anybody can help on the situation girl couldn't be me could not be me. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'll be back next week. If there's an episode next week, I don't know if there is, but I'm assuming there is. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for speaking.